This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeerdelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the Everything is happening podcast. <laughs> the internet's only internet. Everything is happening podcast. I guess I say. I am Joel Gaston with John Fraser as usual. And uh, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know we generally like to go very off topic off the start of the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this week, <laughs> and we're a little delayed because of some personal stuff. Not anything bad, just life. Um, mother-in-law's birthdays and work shifts and at work, whatnot, and yeah. so on and so forth. Yes. Um. This stuff just keeps piling up, and we just frankly don't have time to do anything. Like, there was some, like, curveball we could have talked about, or there was, what was, there's some other thing I had. Oh, the the stolen uh, uh, stuffed banana at Craven. You know, there's yes. all kinds of things we could have talked about this week, but Tons apparently. Of Tons of dumb. But now we've gone, you know, from the doldrums of talking about CFL football in the middle of a non-season to probably the busiest rider week um, that I can remember in a long time. And maybe in the 10 years I've covered this team now. Um, yeah, yeah, I would agree with I that. I have a hard time remembering. I mean, there's been some busy weeks. There's been a lot of weeks where things have happened, but just the pure volume of various different things, I can't quite remember. <laughs> when arguably your best player gets suspended and it's probably like the fourth biggest story of your week... That's a pretty busy week because it has been an absolute mess in Ryderville this week. And uh, yeah, as much as I, even I now, like my natural instincts are like, find some way to stray this off topic, talk about your equipment or something. No, we are staying laser focused and getting to the stuff at hand. So of course, the most important thing that uh, has happened in Ryderville in the last little while is a logo. <laughs> A logo leak, if you will. Yeah, and I mean, you, you, you'd be remiss if we didn't kind of go a little dumb off the top, at least. But it well, is rider-related because it is something that I guess is worth discussing a little bit. Uh, every so often, organizations, businesses, groups, whoever, uh, tend to just trademark things. And every once in a while, people find that stuff. Yep. Uh, that happened this time. And surprisingly, and he was messaging, he was in the DMs, very disappointed there wasn't him that found it. That was, of course, Greg McCullough of the Piffles Podcast, <laughs> who likes to check on these things and is a bit of a logo graphic design snob. 
Uh, so oh he yeah, he's, he's actually very upset. Like yes, he he's texted very our upset with himself that, that he did not uh, that he did not find this new logo that uh, is uh, is something. Um, exact quote from Greg: "I'm chapped. I break all the effing Edmonton ish because I check the sidepo weekly." And I'm left holding the bag in my old team. Someone beat me to it. Greg is not having a great day. But I can say that uh, currently in the uh, fantasy football group chat, Greg is trying to colorize it. Yes, and it's send me that slow- one too, yeah. I will, yeah, because it's slowly changing my opinion on it. It's not to a degree. It's not. I, I don't know what the deal with this thing is. <laughs> um, I'm hoping it's maybe some kind of shoulder patch situation or something for some kind of look down the road or something they may be looking at. Um, but as a primary logo, this thing looks very for and no disrespect to minor football, but this looks very minor football. <laughs> it, I don't even think it has minor football. It's like crappy minor league baseball. It looks almost like that, uh, that awful Red Sox rebranding you guys got down there in Regina. Um, yeah. Not a huge fan either, uh, but Greg, and I just sent it to you, Greg mm-hmm. has taken his best attempt at adding some color to it. And yeah, I, I think as a shoulder patch helmet decal with a different... With the color, kind of... it kind of looks like if the Saskatchewan Rush became the Rough Riders. That's hilarious because <laughs> Greg literally said the same thing. He's like, it kind of looks like a Rush logo. So... I don't know if it's maybe some sort of partnership that, you know, maybe the two organizations that have always worked closely together are going to be doing something like that. But yeah, it's, it's very create your own Madden team looking to it. Um, It looks like almost a stock logo you'd find on like a fantasy site. (laughs) Actually that, that is nail on the head right there. (laughs) Uh, But yet it is somehow still better than the guys trying to build the soccer stadium here that got their stock image logo, right? So we'll give them points for coming up with something creative. Um, I think, I, I think on a hat, it would look okay. It still definitely needs some upgrading. Like if this is kind of a first draft, I'm like, okay, maybe this is going somewhere. Right. And by the way, if you want to see the logo and you haven't seen it yet because you're living under a rock, um, you can find (laughs) it at threedownnation.com, of course. That's that's usually where I see. This is funny because I always I I always cringe when I hear like radio people talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, go on the Facebook page and take a look at this video that we posted. And here we are doing that. And like, I always rant to you about that. And here we are (laughs) doing exactly that. Um, But in fairness, this isn't a video. This isn't something we've created to make you go to the website. This is a thing that exists in the wild. Or stolen from somebody to go to the website. That is what radio stations do these days, right? So, um, yeah, it's got a different look to it. I hope it's not a primary logo. I'm with you because it is trash as a primary logo. I'm trying to envision it on, like, a black ball cap with that kind of green thing that Greg's got. And it's not terrible. Not terrible. Um, looking, I have the, um, the CFL schedule in front of me right now. It looks a little red blacks ish, but like mm. if you got the giant tiger version of the red black, <laughs> like that's, it's uh, kind of got GT that boutique. Box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like knockoff looking sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. Again, I think you said it best. Like this, this, this would definitely fit in the old Ken Gurphy Jr. baseball games of the SNES, where mm-hmm. they couldn't really use the Major League Baseball players. No, and, but you knew exactly who everyone was. Yes, yes. Or like how Barry Bonds was never in those games for years, and yet there was always a number twenty-five that could wallop dingers 
on the San Francisco Giants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even his video game head wasn't big enough, but there there we go. There's my off I mean, that was the 90s, so he wasn't quite there yet. Ha <laughs> that's also true. I, it sounds like, like <laughs> early 2000s, I remember like playing like triple play baseball where you could unlock different players to add to your team, and one guy had this giant bat, mm-hmm. and if you bunted, it was a home run every time. <laughs> and, and there was a number 25 in that game that just happened to be, you know, a guy that wallops dingers that had a giant head that played for the San Francisco Giants. I always found that weird. Like every other player is in the game except for Barry Bonds. Yeah, I remember that being – there was an explanation for that, but I honestly don't remember what it is. Nor do we have time to get into it. No, we do not. As Laser-focused episode this week. Yes, that was far enough off the rails that we are willing to go this week. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> You'll see off the, blaster for this week. No, maybe almost, yeah. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> we need to save this episode from going off the rails, kind of like the rider season is starting to feel a little bit right now. <laughs> um yes. Yeah, we of course have to talk about what happened in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, uh, the game, the pregame incident, what appears to be happening what you know after the game, where it started, we don't know, but I guess it doesn't matter at this point. Uh, just a whole bunch of stuff in all kinds of different directions, and of course it all leads to, all roads always lead back to the fact that the CFL should not have Thursday Night Football, and we'll get into that as well. Um, but before we get to all that, as usual, John, uh, for the Palabones Brewing Company, what's in the glass this week? So in the glass this week is uh, going to be a Rebellion beer that tastes like beer. But I want to take a moment to talk about what was in my glass on Sunday. Uh, crafted by our sponsors at the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, mm-hmm. the Grapefruit Rattler. Mm. Oh my god. On a hot summer day, if like the, the Grapefruit Rattler was perfect. It wasn't too sweet. I like a Rattler. I like sour things is my obsession with whiskey sours and vodka, lemon and all that kind of stuff. But that grapefruit Rattler, I was at my buddy's house having a pool party. And when the first one touched my lips, it's just like they could not go down fast enough. So pile of bones, grapefruit Rattler, perfect summer drink. Um, And unlike other Rattlers, it still comes in at like a a, a normal alcohol content. It's not like your two or 3% that some Rattlers are. Uh, I believe it was like four and a half, 4.8 or something like that. So, you know, if you want to get drunk and drink Rattlers doing it, our boys at the pile of bones brewing company, boys and girls at the pile of bones brewing company, have you set? It is delicious in your face hole. I cannot recommend it enough. Yes. It was of course called the Rattler because it's got a snake on it. Um, I believe it's not technically like a full-blown Rattler because this is like grapefruit flavor versus like juice like you'd find mm, in a Rattler. Mm. So that's that's the difference that you're noticing, yeah. Hence, it's why a Rattler, mm. not a Rattler. Exactly. Mm. Uh, for me, I picked up a Pile of Bones mix pack over the weekend, and I am drinking the Space Cadet IPA, which uh, seems to have mellowed a little bit since Ooh, they first kind of launched it, which is kind of nice to drink now in the summer. And um, based on my experience, the work seems to be becoming a fairly popular beer as it sells a lot quicker than it used to. I can tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, because when I see Space Cadet, I love it as much as the next guy. But same thing, I don't associate it with a summer beer. So I'll have to, I'll have to give one a whirl here uh, in the coming days. Uh, we don't know if the Riders will be taking a whirl on the field this weekend. Uh, as of course, on Saturday, they are set to face the Toronto Argonauts. At Mosaic mm-hmm. Stadium in a rematch of last week's touchdown Atlantic game in Nova Scotia. Um, but frankly, at this point, as we record at 8.26 p.m. on Wednesday, July 20th, not usually that specific, but considering the fact that this information is going to change rapidly, um, it's important to note that at this point we have no effing idea whether, if this game is going to be played and when. Um, all we know is that 
there's a lot of issues stemming basically from Touchdown Atlantic, or at least from before it, or whatever the case may be, that is leading to this. And that is, of course, uh, the big story right now is the fact that there are upwards to, if not more than, 10 players currently in COVID-19 protocol with the team. Uh, five of them were announced as tested positive off uh, kind of the, shortly after the game, a couple days after. Another six were added. I guess some players got out of protocol, so they're at around 10 as of the time we record this episode. Which, if you're, you know, if you know about CFL rosters, that's a lot of players. That's, that's uh, roughly a quarter of your starting, you know, your sort of your starting starting lineup, your whole game day roster, and um, it's pretty difficult, I would say, to play a football game missing about a quarter of your roster. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that's just it's funny, right? As I think the world was collectively thinking about it, I think this is kind of a nice reminder that hey, COVID is still a thing and it is still out there. So, you know, take caution, get your boosters, et cetera, and all those other sciencey things. But the big thing for me is, um, again, we don't know at 8.28 now on a, on a Wednesday night if this game's going to go ahead. But uh, our, our would we call him the boss man? No, fearless leader. Our mm-hmm. fearless leader, Justin Dunk, was on uh, with Tim McAuliffe today. I was watching that while I was doing some dishes. Uh, and he said he's like, Dunk sounded confident that this game is not happening on Saturday. Like, it's just the way Dunk was talking. It's like it's a decision is looming. It's not going to happen. It's getting pushed back. And, uh, you know, we once again have inside sources or speculation that suggests it may not happen. Joel Gasson, I will let you break that. Yeah. So um, an acquaintance of ours, someone we know who works kind of behind the scenes at Mosaic Stadium on game days. Um, it's not Craig Reynolds, for the record. Let the record no. show this is not Craig Reynolds. I would say Craig Reynolds does not work behind the scenes on game day. In <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, some might say... He, he very much, I would say, leads the scene on game day, technically, if you really want to get into it. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's very true. Some people might think he just sits in, the, in like his president's box, hmm. smokes stogies, and asks for pictures of Spider-Man. Man does not do that. Man works on game day, so... Mm. Anyway, someone who works behind the scenes on game day uh, received a message inquiring about the availability for Sunday. Um, take that for what it's worth. I've, it's hard to say whether that's just kind of, you know, they're fishing around to see if that's a possibility. But uh, my assumption would be if it's Wednesday and there's still 10 players in protocol, I have a hard time believing we're going to get to a point where, you know, you still want them to have a day or two of practice before this. I I mean, I, I, I guess stranger things have happened and maybe this is the new 2022 world where we've declared COVID over that they kind of forced this game into playing on time. But I, mm-hmm. I f- feel like there is going to be at least some sort of at least 24 hour ish, maybe into Monday or Tuesday kind of delay. Yeah, I would I would agree with that assessment. And it's interesting, though, to read the conundrum that the league and the team is uh, is up against. We were talking before the show how there's not those built in safety valves like there there were last year and there would have been in the planned uh, 2020 season. Um, Our another friend of the program, uh, Derek Taylor, the voice of the Blue Bombers, uh, Derek was tweeting out basically saying that the only option to reschedule it away from this week would force the Argonauts to play 14 weeks in a row. Now, again, take that with what you may. The Argos would probably just do it because, as you have said, their ownership doesn't care about them. But um, it I is, mean, it is Elks, interesting. At one, at one point, the Elks agreed to play three games in a week just to get the game checks. So, I mean. <laughs> right, and, and that's another part of it, right? So the interesting thing to me, though, is I've seen a little bit tonight the word forfeit being thrown around. 
It kind of comes up in the last few years every time this sort of situation comes to fruition, but we've yet to see a team in any league forced to forfeit because of COVID to this point. But what my question is, is, and, and, and if you know the answer to this, feel free to just make me look like I don't do any research because we know I barely do. Does the league still have that vaccination threshold rule that if you're under over a certain percentage, you still get paid, right? That, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if that's why the forfeit word is being thrown around a little bit that did the riders perhaps fall under that percentage? I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I haven't. Uh, we haven't heard much, at least I haven't heard much about what the COVID-19 policy is this year. And maybe that's, you know, an error on my part and an error on the part of some other people, but I don't know. I would assume I, something would similar would still be in place, but I mean... The roster is fairly similar to last year, and they were said to have been over the threshold. So okay, yeah, that that would make sense. And I I wonder too, um, less so about the the forfeit, but I wonder if the protocols are closer to the NHL and the NFL now, where you know before you know you hear ten players in COVID protocol, well that's a week. You yeah. know, are 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 they now? And these are things we don't know. Are they now? If you're asymptomatic, well, hey, get your ass back on the field and spread it to everybody, right? So. Um, it's interesting, it's fluid, but, uh, again, when Dunk goes on national television and basically says that game ain't happening, I tend to believe our boy, uh, and fearless leader. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. So, yep, that's kind of all the situation is at right now. Um, keep it tuned to 3 com, as I'm sure Duncan Hodge and JC will, uh, have the latest on this and we'll break any news up as it happens. You mentioned a fluid situation. <laughs> Here comes another transition. You're on fuego tonight. There was, I guess, an alleged fluid situation. <laughs> but I'm tis well, during the uh, well, I guess before and during touchdown Atlantic this past weekend in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Sidebar. Sidebar. Wolfville. No, Wolfville. Uh, oh. My sidebar looked like a beautiful scene for a football game. Oh, oh, did it ever? Oh my God, that looked like yeah. a great place. Looked like a great place to take a football game. But regardless. Um, yeah, the Argos, of course, uh, have accused one Duke Williams of spitting on Shaq Richardson, not twice, once, but twice, uh, once, of course, before the game, which led in, you know, to the infamous helmet throwing, which we will get into. And See, like, that's like the fourth <clears throat> biggest topic yeah. of this, of this episode. Like, that's how insane this week has been. So, yeah, so that kind of comes down, and then there was the, the other blow-up later in the game because they didn't have the intestinal fortitude to make the decision prior to the game that they should have made to avoid everything that clearly would have happened later. And uh, now, of course, because of all of that, and I, for as far as I can tell, the spitting has not been proven one way or the other, uh, but Richards, uh, Duke Williams was, of course, suspended for one game, so that'll be uh, whenever the next game is. He will not be there, adding to the you know, list of players who will probably be unavailable that game, either through COVID or illness, or probably should sit, <clears throat> Cody Fajardo. And <laughs> it's deserved. And to me, it's deserved. And for me, the biggest issue I have with the whole thing is, and I don't know whose call this would have been, if this was you know the league had to make the call, or the on-field officials, or whoever the case may have been, Duke Williams simply should not have been in that game. And I know there's been discussions about, you know, Richardson came over, you know, the half field and he started this and whatever. I don't care who started it. I don't care what led to it. The fact remains, if you throw a helmet at someone, you should not be playing. If you throw a helmet at someone at any point, especially pregame, 
you should not be playing the rest of that football game. Absolutely. There should have been an automatic ejection. I don't know how that didn't happen. It was all over social media. You could see, obviously, the refs were on the field because they were breaking it up. Yeah. Like, I think I saw the umpire in there breaking up the, the confrontation. So the refs were out there. Even if they didn't see it happening, there was more than enough footage that saw that it happened, even though it took TSN halfway through the first quarter to show it to everyone else. But even though it was all over Twitter already. Now, the other thing, too, is is say, okay, well, maybe Duke gets the benefit of the doubt because of what Richardson did. Toss them both. Like, I don't know yeah. how you have that confrontation or warm-ups and not toss them both. Like, it no, was... It we've, was seen, abs- we've seen blow-ups. We've seen skirmishes pre-game. Like, that sort of stuff happens. But this was mm-hmm. clearly above at another level. And sorry, you throw a helmet. And because the football helmet is not... It's not a hockey helmet. It is not a batting no. helmet. It is it is a projectile weapon if used correctly. It, it has some heft to it. And, and, and the funny thing is, Miles Garrett doinks... Mason Rudolph with the helmet in the NFL and people were talking about getting him out of the league forever right he was given what six seven games down south something like that I mean he had a bit more of a history of unfortunate events and than it, Duke Williams it, it, has up to this point right I mean he still doinked Mason Rudolph yeah. in the head with his helmet right and I'm not saying like yeah injury shouldn't the extent of the injury shouldn't determine the suspension. But no, we shouldn't, for... we shouldn't hockey this thing, no. No, absolutely not. But they kind of did. They yeah. absolutely kind of did. You, you saw a guy, I could agree with the one game, because, uh, again, as I've said right here, missing one game check for these guys in the CFL is much more significant than guys in the NFL, NHL, MLB, wherever, right? It has mm-hmm. more of an impact. It's more of a lesson taught. I would agree with one game had they done the right thing and tossed Duke Williams. I don't know why they didn't other than maybe they wanted some star power on the field for touchdown Atlantic, but yeah, there is, there is a part of me and I will give credit. I saw it first to former writers communications director, Ryan Pollock, who may, who who he, he seemed to suggest that the league didn't want something overshadowing their marquee game. There you go. Yeah. I remember I saw it someplace. I couldn't remember who I saw it from, but yeah, Ryan was, uh, was the first one to, and he was saying that like, before kickoff so so miles garrett gets six games in the nfl duke gets one after being allowed to play i would agree with the one game had they done the right thing i think one's liked i really think one after he played the game but that's not his fault no i i I, I would i would argue that you don't suspend him two games because whoever's call that was before the game failed right i think it's a one game suspension which is fine even whether he played that game or not. And then the, you know, the discussion becomes, okay, who was supposed to make that call that he should not play this game? And if it was, you know, if it was the officiating crew on the field, then, I mean, obviously they're not going to get suspended or everything, but they need to have a discussion with the officials or whoever made that call to make clear to them that they screwed that up and he should not have been in this game, but he's still getting the game. But I don't, I don't think you give him two just because someone else screwed up and he didn't play in that game. I, I, I think you do. And, and 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 the yeah. reason I say that the reason I say that is because somebody else screwed up. But we it, it's it's back when I was refing hockey. You know, you'd look at it, when you were determining suspensions with the league, whatever. A lot of times they looked at what point in the game somebody got kicked out. Right? If somebody gets the boot at the five minute mark of the first period, but that, that was still a decision that was made for them to get the boot. If a guy right. doesn't get booted from the game, it's not his fault that he didn't get booted from the game. And I don't think no, you can punish him for that. No, I, I, I think he should have missed 
two he games of time, whether that was a boot. Oh, I agree. Altogether, he should not have played in that game. You give him an yes. extra game. That's what it should have been. But he didn't get booted from the game, so you can't give him another game for that decision. I would agree. No, that's that's right. No, that's a, that's a, that's a good take. Um, I still think that he should have missed, that the league should have covered the officiating crew's asses a bit in this one and said, you're sitting out for two games because you, you can't do that. Like, and, and he chucked that helmet. Like, if he makes contact with Richardson's head, that's ugly. Like, that is, like, an ugly, ugly situation. Yeah, it is. And it's just... It's a scenario that I don't think any of us expected talking about no. coming into that week, coming out of that week. Because, I mean, as I said in my piece after the game, I mean, coming into this game after the whole Garrett Marino fiasco the week before, <laughs> you expected everyone to be on their best behavior. And yeah. then before the game even starts, we have something happening again. And it's like, oh, my God. Is Are you kidding this, me right now? <laughs> is is this, and I, and, and I hate to take it kind of off track, mm-hmm. but between the penalties... Between the fact I, I I read that part of your piece and I agree 110% that that Marino suspension should have been a message to everybody to put your head down, you know, be be good men mm-hmm. and go out and do the thing. But does this speak to the discipline problems this, this team is having? Yeah. I think, I, I think it does. I think you're seeing a team that after one of their own is suspended for being basically a giant meat, meat stick, a guy who's supposed to be a leader on this team is out there the very next week in pregame warm-ups, a spot that you know you can't go after another guy, yeeting helmets at other guys' heads. So I I like Craig Dickinson. Mm-hmm. You're st- I'm starting to see cracks here, that he's yep. losing control of this team and perhaps this season. And I'm not quite ready to go back in time because let's face it, this team's going to make the playoffs. Like the East Division's that crap that they're going to make the playoffs unless yeah. – I, I don't see anybody in the East going on a run. I mean, they might sleepwalk their way into the playoffs, but I need my hands hovering over that panic button again, Joel. And I mean, that's fair. I mean, I, I wrote the piece also for Three Down Nation. After, I mean, I was going to write the piece that Cody Fajardo should not play in this game, which I guess we should probably talk about at some point. Yeah, let's get into that at some point. Um, <laughs> but I also then, but then Brennan McGuire beat me to the punch and wrote that piece, and you can read it on 3downnation.com, and it lays out a very strong case for Cody Fajardo not playing this week next week and then of course the bye week um but so then i wrote the other piece that like really this is the point now like we are at the very first test of the jeremy o'day craig dickinson era yes like it's been fairly smooth sailing and for a football organization not run by john huffnagle it's been a fairly good run of smooth sailing for stuff that they can control yeah and now we're going to find out what this group is made of because you know craig dickinson's talked a lot about trying to get the discipline in line. He is clearly not succeeding at that one way or the other. And that goes up the line. Like, this is a situation where, okay, Craig Dickinson has tried. He's tried some things. Well, maybe the general manager needs to step in. Maybe the president of football operate, maybe the president of the organization needs to get involved to some degree. I, I know Craig Reynolds can't go down there and do anything, like, super specific, but at the end of the day, everything flows uphill and it stops, starts with him. And... To me, there are legitimate questions surrounding the whole organization right now as to what level of preparedness and what level of readiness are they for these kinds of situations. Because in the game of football, again, unless you're run by John Huffnagel, they happen. Right. And I don't know if they are firmly prepared for it because, you know, 
it seems like a minor detail, but after the game, and this is a kind of a criticism of both organizations and the league, who are also in charge of media policy after oh, that, yeah, that game. Was, that was terrible. Is the fact that neither of player was injured, Duke, Duke Williams or Shaq Richardson were not injured or removed from the game. Neither were ejected or removed from the game. So generally speaking, the rule of thumb is if you finish a, the game, you are generally speaking available to the media. And neither of them from either organization through, you know, sort of the league channels and the team channels were made available to any of the members of the media. And so, and Rob Vanstone wrote the great piece on at, for the leader post that this kind of left the coaches and quarterbacks holding the bags for these guys rather than them coming out and facing the music. And all that kind of starts from the top down in a bunch of different places. And, and let's face it, the, the, the <laughs> there are some veteran reporters that were there. It's not like the league was trying to get away from a hit piece from an organization that never shows up to cover games, but whenever something bad happens, they're there, right? Yeah. We're talking like, you're freezing out Murray McCormick. Yeah. Murray's a damn legend. I mean, in many, many ways, but a legendary I, I assume have... Frank Zuccarelli was there for the Toronto Sun. Absolutely. So you're looking like two I mean, veterans. Justin rep- Dunk and J.C. Abbott were both there. Um, Dan like, Ralph, someone from CP of, of that ilk was there. Like, but like you basically just listed off like an all-star team of CFL media. Yeah. And they and, and guys that wouldn't take a time to undercut the league, guys that would present the story both sides in a fair <laughs> to quote Fox News, fair and balanced way. <laughs> um, but actually, <laughs> but actually give the facts, explain what happened without bias, without bullshit. So that is very very amateurish of them. Um I didn't like that one bit, but I, I think you're right. We are seeing the first test. And another thing that shows me, to get into it a little bit, sorry if I'm derailing a bit, but another thing that shows me how little control the coaching staff has over this team is the fact that Cody Fajardo was left in that game. Like, yeah. I, and this this is, I was talking to you a bit about this, and I say this not as a very skilled athlete, but as a fat guy with a bad knee. If you watch the replays of Cody throwing first the interception on the quick out, he winces, delays, then throws, which allows him to be picked off. The other picks he has, he he doesn't have anything under those those deep balls. Nothing. There's no strength there. And I can tell he's a fat guy with a bad knee, even playing catch with my buddies. Sometimes that knee doesn't agree, and you don't get any pop on it. You can't snap your hips. You can't throw the ball well. Like I'm no quarterback guru, but how on earth does Craig Dickinson, Jason Moss, anybody – not go to Cody and say, listen, man, you're a warrior. We love that about you. You know, you want to be there. You want to stand in there for your guys, but you're half the quarterback you normally are right now, and half of Cody Fajardo isn't a very good quarterback. Like, do they have that little faith in Mason Fine? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, maybe. Um, you know, I, you understand, you know, when the bolts are flying, it's hard to make those decisions, and it's hard to pull a guy, especially when he's your franchise guy. I get that, but yeah. Um, but like he he was clearly yes struck. no I I agree with you completely like, I agree with you completely and that I guess is the you know sort of natural transition into the next point which is of course the piece as I you know sort of mentioned written by our Brennan McGuire about yes. the fact that Cody Fajardo at the very least I would say should not play this week against Toronto whenever this game is played and maybe beyond like the guy physically and I think mentally clearly needs a break yeah and. Failure to do so could set this team back 
not just for this year, but beyond if, because I mean, clearly this knee is not getting that much better in, you know, just a few days off in between games. It was still noticeable even before he took that hit that story was not a penalty. And uh, agreed. agreed. We haven't even had time more. to talk about that whole thing that wasn't right? really a thing. Um, so yeah, that wasn't a penalty. And so, yeah, he got hurt on that play, but his knee was already not great before that. And it was affecting his play enough to maybe warrant at least sitting for a game. Now it's to the point where, yeah, I think I'm up with Brandon where it's like, okay, you probably don't play him the next two weeks and he gets then gets the bye week and then you see kind of, and then hopefully he's in some kind of 75 to 80% range of the other side of that when he gets back. Right. Because, yeah, after that, their schedule is rough with lots of Lions, Bombers, Elks, all kinds of Western opponents. Right. And And let's face it, like all jokes aside, they haven't clinched a playoff spot but you're three games ahead of Montreal, who to me is going to go into an absolute tailspin from hell here because Danny Machoch is a terrible coach. So you've basically got a three-game lead. Even if you go 0-3, but Cody's healthy, you're you're tied for uh, you know you're you're in a position you're probably still crossing over. I should say maybe it's a two-game lead. I guess they're they're two games up on on the Elks for crossover spot and. Honestly, if I'm if I'm a team of the CFL West, I either want to be first, second, or fourth. I don't want to like be third and have to go through likely the Stamps and Bombers to get to the Grey Cup game. So it's early. You're right. There's a lot of meat in that schedule, a lot of divisional games. You know, yeah, you rest them against Toronto because in the grand scheme of things, a loss against Toronto is not as bad as a loss against Winnipeg, Calgary, BC, Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll see what Mason Fine has against the BC Lions, who coming back to earth a little bit after playing Winnipeg, I think, but I think the the rider defense is good enough to carry them through a couple weeks of Mason fine, maybe not being so fine. <laughs> and now, and then, you know, with enough time left in the season to go out and do something, whether you have anything in Mason fine, right? I mean, yep. whether that's, I don't think that they'll move him, but whether that's trading for Vernon Adams, maybe that's checking in on what Matt Nichols is doing these days, right? There's, I, I think the riders and Cody Fajardo or three quarter Cody Fajardo has proven it. They don't need a quarterback that's going to win them games. They just need a quarterback to not lose them games. And I think they have to see what they have in Mason fine right now, sit Cody down. I would rather see them come out of this with a 75% Cody Fajardo and an off the street Matt Nichols starting to get used to things again, starting to get used to this team, this playbook than what they have right now, because it doesn't seem like this organization has any faith in Mason fine. Yeah. And I mean, I guess we'll see in the coming days, whether they do or not. Um, and I, I think it's a good opportunity to get a real look at Mason fine, because I, I think to this day, I mean, we kind of got a little bit of it, Isaac Harker, but not fully where he's like, okay, you are the number one for the next two weeks kind of thing. Right. And see where that goes. Um, you know, it's hard to say whether maybe, you know, maybe with a full week they'll feel a little differently about Mason Fine, but it's an opportunity, yeah, to see if there is something here or not. He's obviously not, not unlikely to come in and shoot out the lights and take over the reins or anything like that, but, you know, can he win you a football game if you need him to? And I think there's no better place to do that than at home where they generally play better than they do on the road, right. especially lately. You know, if you get in front of the crowd here at Mosaic Stadium, the defense can hopefully, you know, get healthy a little bit and carry the team a little bit, go on to special teams, rely on that run game, please. And, yeah, you can give yourself an opportunity to maybe win an ugly football game or two and kind of, you know, get over the worst of this unscathed. Because despite all of this, 
despite everything that's going on in Ryderville right now, all of the chaos in so many different directions, you know, there's, you know, it's basically the nothing to see here meme with like fireworks exploding <laughs> everywhere. The fact remains they are going through all of this at four and two. Yes. Like this, we're, a lot of the stuff we're talking about right now makes it sound like they're a one and five football team or something, but they're well, four well, and two. And if they can, and I said this in my piece the other day, if they can somehow find their way out of this, and it might take a few weeks to kind of fully right the ship. But if they do, this is the kind of event we've seen teams, you know, kind of build around and actually makes them better in the long run if they can figure it out. Right. Now, caveat here, uh, as I look at the standings, the Lions have only played four games. Mm-hmm. The Riders are the CFL's top scoring team right now. Because they haven't had a bye yet, so... Now, again, they haven't had a bye, but still, we're talking, okay, so compare them to Winnipeg. They got more points than Winnipeg. You're right. Like, it's a this is a 4-2 and two team that it just seems like the walls are caving in and it's time to mash the panic button. And I'm with you. I, I could see the season going one of two very different ways. Yeah. Like, either my very early panic button press is going to be prophetic and I'll finally get something right... Or you're right, they rally from this, and next thing you know, they're challenging Winnipeg for first in the West because, again, those two losses are both against the East Division. Yeah. Now, again, you, you don't... It's not, it's not ideal because in a super tight race, you still can't afford to lose those kinds of games because you are going to probably lose at least a game in the series to Calgary and Winnipeg. Right. right? So. But still, I, I, you're right, but, I mean, it's, it's a loss, two losses against Montreal and Toronto sting a lot less than two losses against uh, Winnipeg and Calgary. It's just Mm. the way the CFL is set up. So, I mean, you're right. This this feels like a test, a turning point for everybody. And if Cody's out there, a guy who said himself, I've suffered a major setback. Yeah. This code, like, to me, if Cody's out there against Toronto whenever this Toronto game happens... I'm in the camp that this is going to be a disaster of a season and it's just going off the rails because clearly somebody there is not taking the bull by the horns and making the decisions they need to make. They're letting the inmates run the asylum and that cannot end well. Potentially. I mean, I mean, likely. Um, the only thing I would say to Cody's comments after the games is we know he tends to maybe be a little emotional after losses sometimes. Right, which I love. Which so may- maybe he I was being... That a little on the dramatic side a bit when it comes to sort of the future of his, not the state of his injury at that time, but perhaps where it was headed. We don't know. We well, has I mean, he hasn't been available since because they haven't practiced since because they all have COVID. Right. <laughs> well, it's just kind of a blessing, but, but, but that's the thing though. You have a guy and, and that's a good point, Joel, because yeah. you have a guy that's sore that just threw three picks, two of them. Yeah. Like it was a very tough loss. Like no question. Yeah, so it wasn't like the Montreal loss where they just got in and got the ass beat, and you're like, okay, that happens, right? And that is that was a tough loss, largely caused by a guy, your quarterback being hurt and maybe trying to do a little too much. Mm -hmm. It seems now maybe the CFL maybe trying to do too much on a Thursday night. (laughs) Oh my god! It's like okay, and this I love that this all comes back Mm -hmm. to this one point. Yes. And that was, of course, the piece I wrote a couple of years ago that Thursday night football on both sides of the border. And I've, I've come to the realization that it is not going to happen probably neither, especially in the NFL with the new with the money that Amazon's throwing at them now. But um, 
Thursday night football needs to end, and especially doubleheader Thursday night football oh, in the CFL needs to end for some reason. I don't know who thought this was a good idea this week, but now it looks even better when they might not have a game on one of their marquee days on Saturday. With one of their marquee teams, really the one that's like bringing their everything up. And and okay, so so the only conflict that the BC Lions have that is one of the two teams hosting on a Thursday night football doubleheader, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, it looks like. Uh, the Whitecaps don't even play. I'm looking at the Whitecaps schedule right now. They don't even play uh, at home until, well, it's not even here on Google. So I have no idea why they're doing this. Yeah. It's a dumb idea. You, you, especially, too, when you have an Eastern team involved. It'd be one mm-hmm. thing to have Calgary, BC. Yeah, okay, it's a little late. No problem. A cheap excuse to have some beers with your buds on a Thursday night, right? But who, <laughs> who the hell is staying up at 10 o'clock in Hamilton, having to go to work the next day. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> like I love my Bombers, but there's no way in hell I'm watching them till 1 in the morning when I got to go to work the next day. Like, it's just, why CFL? And another thing, as an aside, how the hell do you not have a game during the All-Star break? MLB's all, like, it is the slowest day of the sports year today. Today is the slowest day. I listened to, to Tim McAuliffe talk about Brady or Matthew Tachuk for a solid hour. I love Tim McAuliffe. I love his program. Man crush on Tim McAuliffe. Like the ESPYs are, are going on. The ESPYs are the only thing that's going on. Yeah. And the CFL can't, like, move one of those Thursday games and have it on a Wednesday. They tried that once. It didn't really work out that well. But still, it's something. Sportsnet's going to show your highlights. Local sports programs, if they still exist, are going to show your highlights. It's that or the ESPYs. I, I mean... I mean, or it's a nice day. You could, like, actually go outside or something. Yeah. <laughs> For once, it's it's not balls hot. It's not raining. It's not anything. It's actually, like, a normal, nice night for a change. <laughs> yeah. But I'll probably watch the ESPYs only because my, my celebrity crush, Mina, has a great dress on. He's Jacques Cartier. Show's over. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.